You're now listening to the Talking Pictures Podcast, broadcasting from sunny Orange County, California. Filmmaker, journalist, and film historian, Paul Booth. Aloha. Welcome to Talking Pictures with Paul Booth. I am a little bit more jazzed than I usually am to be here today because not only are we going to talk about the film mixtape, which I've been waiting for for so long because it's directed by Valerie Weiss, past guest, very supportive of myself and the show. We're going to be talking today with Peter. Thank you so much for uh, giving me the opportunity to talk to you and your crowd or your, your guests, and I appreciate the opportunity, so thank you. Well, thank you. You're very welcome. Of course, thank you, Warren, for setting this up. And the other, the other thing here is uh, this is a Vancouver crew shot in Vancouver. Uh, so, of course, myself and the content manager, editor, went to film school with Warren, so this is just a huge, like... I, I'm going to stop counting the wins and jump into it. So Mixtape, you can check out on Netflix. It came out on Friday. A wonderful film about a, a young woman who uh, the way to learn about her parents is to go through this mixtape that she found. Uh, to anybody who's a day under 41, a mixtape used to be this thing that... Uh, you you know put together for someone you loved a friend a girlfriend and uh, you just put songs together and that was the way of saying everything so i love that valerie went with this getting into just briefly uh what you do because i know it's always a, a just a huge task of a job so why don't you let us know what exactly it is you do for a production and, and then we'll apply it to mixtape uh well in one sentence if i have to bring it down to one sentence the first ad is uh He's the guy that or girl that schedules the movie, and then it's my job uh, to keep us on schedule. So once we're in production, I end up becoming the foreman on set. I'm the one who gets the actors and uh, ex expedites everything so that we can shoot uh, everything scheduled in that one day within the budgeted hours. It becomes a, as much a business as an art form once we start shooting. And then as a first AD, I'm responsible for Oh, a whole multitude of things from um, uh, all the prep schedules, all the preparing, making sure all the crew and the, the uh, head of the crew, like the props master and the set decorators. So they're all in communication about what the director's needs and wants are. And then as we get closer to production, it's my job to make sure that all those elements are present on set when we're going to shoot. Um, as first AD, I'm also in charge of the safety on set. Uh, all the safety goes through me on the set when we're shooting, and then when there's say if there's construction happening, say away from the set, then there's another person that's in charge of the safety happening at the same time. And then last but not least, the background. Usually, um, most of the directors are so concentrated on directing the actors, it becomes my responsibility to direct and uh, manage all the background that you would see. Uh, for instance, in mixtape, you see a lot of, there's a lot of populated scenes within the high school that we did. And so all of that movement in the background would come down to my responsibility setting it up. And of course, in this case, Valerie would have an eye on it, but uh, nine times out of 10, it would be all precipitated by me. Okay. So hopefully that, that tells you a little bit about what the yeah, first AD does. Just a little of what you guys, uh, the one job I, I, meet very few people who don't do it would actually do. Um, I used to ask what was the one job you wouldn't want to do and no offense people would say that. So I have, I think it's the most cool, crazy, probably the job I respect the most um, when watch when you guys are just in it 
and in that zone. Um, I think it's just amazing. Uh, do you, uh, so with, with mixtape, you know, you mentioned the high schools, but then also there's a, uh, you know, it's about music. So there's obviously, you know, a band and some scenes that involve that. Is, is there anything that's like when you have a high school scene or you have a club scene, does that come down to that you just have to, I mean, do you go out and spend time in clubs? Because always, I've always wondered how ADs just perfectly know how something looks like that's not something i think we talk about enough with first ADs. well it comes down to experience i've been doing this for a long long time and also the communication i have with val in this case val and uh the, our director of photography matt i'd say okay uh, you know in prep we would identify the scenes and what are we trying to portray um there's one scene i think in mixtape where she uh um uh Gemma feels very alone as she's uh, in the school. She feels like an outsider. So in order to help play that, we, uh, Val had a scene where she goes, Gemma goes up the stairs against the whole grain of the students coming downstairs. Well, that shot is all choreographed, but the idea of having kind of a, an avalanche of people going against her was all pre-talked about. And as we set up the camera and Matt's lighting, then I would, I would start setting up the background with my team. And uh, then the outcome would be uh, as the movie, as you saw in the movie, you know. So I think in this case, the background works a lot. And, and then we had um, uh, in the scene at the club, we had uh, a dancing. Dancing is interesting because pre-COVID, it was very easy. You just get a whole bunch of kids out there and start dancing and everything. Now with COVID, you have to go through a lot of protocols in order to make sure everybody's safe in the context of being close together. So it. it during COVID, it, it does um, um, present quite a few challenges to the AD team to make sure a, a crowd scene looks crowded and also looks believable. So. I, I can't even imagine how much more fell on you since you're in charge of safety. I mean, is that is that just a whole other headache for a whole other podcast, or how does that apply to mixtape? It's <laughs> well, another part. I wouldn't say it's a headache. Uh, you don't want to get hit in the head. Oh, right, but, you right. Know, right. I mean, it's, it, the safety aspect is huge, especially with what happened just recently uh, in the news uh, right. uh, on the set of Rush. Um, so, yeah, it's a huge um, challenge and consideration, especially during COVID. So, yeah, I think that's another podcast, another time we could talk for hours about that, if you like. So. Okay. Yeah, because that's really, I, it was interesting to hear cinematographers talk about these tier mm -hmm. systems and these extra masks and a cinematographer the other day was talking about tick tick boom and she's like we had to text each other ideas and it ended up being a really interesting thing but it was like wow that's so um what a, what a trip um just a mixtape i know of course it's an la director uh so but i've always wondered when we do these films like is do, do you have your own like second AD and second second that you bring with you? Or is this all just down to the, the producer? I always wondered how those teams get put together for what you guys do. Um, when, when I when I get hired to do a movie, I, I tend to, they give me the, the freedom to hire my own crew within uh, the people that I've worked with before. And, and uh, I, in this case, um, I had um, uh, a great opportunity to work with James Spott, who was my second assistant director at the time and Nicola who was my third and we had Paul who was my tad and between the three of us we managed to keep things going but something you should be aware of is that 
on this show, I was not the original first AD hire. Oh. I, I was only brought in three or four days before principal photography. Wow. Yeah, so it's so you gotta just imagine that normally on a like this was like a 35, 34 day shoot. I would normally get six to eight weeks of prep for this show to work, find locations, schedule the movie. Uh, I didn't have that luxury at all. I was brought in very late. There was some, uh, I, let's just say, uh, personality conflicts uh, between the first assistant director originally hired. So they felt that the best thing for all parties was to hire uh, somebody else. And I was brought in very late in the game. And, uh, um, and Valerie, Matt, and myself, had meetings over weekends in order for me to get caught up so that I would get a get a sense of what uh, their vision of the movie was. And uh, I think uh, uh, the end result was a great movie. So, But normally, uh, on this show, I, I inherited the, third, the AD team that was in place already by the other first. Well, that really speaks volumes, a last-minute thing. And I'm thanks for telling that because I was going to ask what my next question was going to be when you got the script. But... Um, you answered that one. A, a week before we went to production. And you know what's funny is that I got hired, I got interviewed, uh, uh, like a Zoom interview on a Tuesday. I got hired that evening. Wednesday, I think I went in for a, um, a COVID test, so I wasn't available to production after, until we got the test back, which was negative. And then my first day of, of actually seeing everybody was a Thursday, and we're going to camera on Monday. Wow. So it was a very, uh, it's happened to me a few times and um, uh, it was a challenging, but uh, uh, Val and Matt uh, gave me all their time. And it's not just the first idea isn't the guy that goes out there, the girl that goes out there and says, okay, lock it up. Here we go. Let's roll sound. There's so many other var uh, variables involved in trying to make the schedule work and, and uh, you know, stuff like that. Like you watch the movie, what would you predict? Or what would you say was our first scene that we shot in the in the schedule? Oh, what would I say was the first thing you probably shot? Um, yeah. Oh gosh, it ha I would I would just think like record store because it's two actors and it's no company moves and it's I would just think some of that first uh, stuff when she's seeking oh. out. Oh, that's a good that's a good, no. Um, the record store was actually shot way out in Abbotsford, so it was quite a remote location, and so. Uh, the the actual first scene we ended up shooting was the scene in uh, I think it's Nikki's garage when the three girls were uh, practicing for oh. um, the band. Yeah, that was the very first scene we had shot inside, and I think it was the idea there was just because the location was available. I think on that day, but it also gave us a, 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 for the girls to mesh together because the, all the movie really plays a lot with their relationships. So by starting the movie off with them being together playing in that in rehearsal it kind of freed up everything there wasn't really a lot of lines for them to remember just to, to lip sync to the song so oh well i, I love that you say that because it, it does cross my brain part of it is just having been to film schools where i think uh does this come up where obviously just because i can intellectualize was this location ready? And then I can intellectualize was, well, did they have enough budget? And then I can intellectualize, well, was the script ready? So <laughs> I'm really always intrigued when it actually gels together uh, to serve the story and also serve the business um, and meet what, uh, you know, what Valerie thinks and not being, um, I should look this up. I don't, I don't mean to ask this question. Uh, if I'm correct, she did not write the script also, correct? 
I think she was. Uh, she had a say. I don't think she got uh, credited as a writer, but I think as a director, she she had some say in it. I wasn't. Remember, I wasn't around. Oh, for long, right, but, right, okay. Yeah, because she's. So, um, it, it felt very. Uh, what I liked about it is, I. Um, it felt just very. I've covered her other films, and it felt very. I, I guess I would just say Valerie-ish, if that's a word. Um, mm. did, was there something? Uh, okay, so you you came on late, but there's still a point where you have to agree to it. What about the script? You know, got you giving that extra mile, or got you being like, okay, cool, this isn't just. You know, this isn't just breakfast next week. This is, this is a cool thing I'm going to be on. You know, I, I told you I had that meeting with Val prior to being hired, but also it gave me a chance to meet her and talk to her and, and get a sense of who she was. And and based on that, that was that was one of the reasons. And when I read the script, it it just kind of you know, um, uh, it just felt such a feel good story. And and at the same time. I've done so many of these superhero movies where the heroes wear capes and fuck and do superhuman things. And, and I think the real heroes are, we don't have heroes like that. The heroes are what you see in this type of movie. So a lot of those things resonated with me. And I, and, uh, I said, yeah, let's do it. And, and then also the challenge, the challenge of trying to do it with such little prep time was, uh, appealing to me because I knew I had the experience to do it. And, uh, also, I was helping out the producer and production manager who I both know that uh, because they were kind of in a crunch here, they needed somebody uh, to come in and, and you know, take the ball. Oh, okay. Just to give the audience some of the filmography, 97 credits as a first assistant director. Congratulations. Um, yeah, I, I kind of think there's more there, but I, I haven't, I don't know, I can't go through them all, but I think I've done a bit more than that. But anyways, I, well, so, so Supergirl, that shoots in Vancouver, correct? That's right, yeah. Okay, so, um, but X-Men 2, you're on. So let's see, my next question was, it can either be uh, best advice or worst advice. Uh, wh which one would you want to share with us, and what was the piece of advice? The best advice I've been ever given, or the best advice I give people? Oh, either way. Actually, you know what, I'm glad that you said that. Uh, it, it can be for you or that you, or that you would share, yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, a long time ago, a um, bit of advice that uh, I got from a gaffer. Uh, his nickname was Bear. And uh, he uh, told me, he said, you know, Dash, it doesn't matter what kind of... You can do uh, a TV movie, you can do a series, you can do a feature, but in the long run, it's all filmmaking at the end. So don't get hyped up in trying to do these big feature films with all these credits and stuff like that, because in the, in the end of the day... They, you're still making films and you're still, you're, you're still contributing. So he, he taught me early on not to chase these big, big feature films that you see out there, that any film I do is, is, is a good credit and not to narrow my search and my job search just to one um, um, genre. So. Well, that's great. What a piece of advice. Because, yeah, looking at your filmography, you have something massive, yeah, X-Men 2, Supergirl, Kevin Smith, and then you have, I mean, I know Valerie, she makes so many uh, studio shows and Netflix stuff, but I really love that this was that indie side of her. Do you have something where that that advice was uh, most prevalent for you? Like, do you have a show where you were just like, oh, yes, I'm so glad I listened to this advice? Uh, not so much. It's just early on, and that goes back. Oh, I've okay. been doing this for 40 years, so it's like um, the advice now that if I want to give any advice is for 
people to just uh, be, persevere and for, and don't take no for an answer. If somebody says you can't do this or that, then just just say, well, why? Why? You know, just because you say it, it doesn't mean it's it's necessarily true. Because you have to you have to um, um, if you don't sell it, no one's going to buy it, and that includes yourself. So you have to go out there and you have to prove it, not to other people, but to yourself. Because once you, you know, you have to believe in it, and so. That's kind of my advice to all these kids that are coming up because there's so many and they're wide-eyed and they're eager to get into the film industry and stuff. And I just tell them, just be patient, but follow your dreams and don't take no for an answer. And and uh, I keep telling them, keep talk, talking to me. Like you have an opportunity to work to work with me or and maybe another first AD with a similar experience and try to ask me questions and because and, I, I will always give them to you. And if I don't, I will when I have time, you know, so. That's kind of my advice to these guys coming up now, because there's so many talented, talented people out there. And with iPhone 12s and 13s, God, you can make your own movie if you want, you know, so. I think that's also a whole other podcast of the patience and. <laughs> Sounds like and, I'm doing all your podcasts. From yeah, no, it's the, the patience thing. I love that you said that word. Um, I heard someone say today, one of the, and you're not, I'm just going to say this, this isn't your opinion or anything, but the, um, one of the biggest problems is that is, to not let things be instant gratification. And, and I can remember being there, like you get out of film school and you think you deserve an office and a job and a, instead of just like, you know, like you're saying, go show to show and learn and make connections. And, and it, it, you know, it's cool if it happens in a month, it's cool if it happens in five years, it's cool if it happens in 20 years, just, uh, I think, enjoy the ride. I mean, 40 years, that's, congratulations on that. That's a heck of a run. Thank you, thank you. Maybe I'll get a gold watch. Maybe my dad got one. <laughs> so, but um, no, it's fun. It's like uh, um, you just have to um, like this whole sense of entitlement. You know, that's what we have to. You know, just because you go to film school, just because you have one or two credits, doesn't give you the opportunity, right, to be able to 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 be. You just know a fraction of what you are setting yourself up to. So to learn and learning comes from the multiple shows. And like you said earlier, the multiple connections you have. So. Right. And rolling with what I expect. I mean, yeah, we got out of film school and everything went digital. So again, another show, <laughs> do you have a, uh, as we get into mixtape and then wrap into our final questions, do you have a, uh, best lesson from, uh, doesn't necessarily need to be personal about Valerie, but maybe a best lesson, something that you took from her has, in the relationship of working with a director you know it's funny it goes it's the fact that she identified early that in order for us to make this shotgun wedding basically that's what happened because i was brought in so late to work she she offered the time on weekends for me to get caught up to date and i did make some scheduling changes once i i got a good grasp of the show but there's one morning where i came in and she surprised matt and i she brought in uh, uh bagels with smoked salmon on it and I looked at her and I went, geez, what a nice gesture, you know, because here I am racing in from my town to get into Vancouver to meet them. And then she went out of her way in order to, um, in order to make the environment uh, nice in order to spend the time with me. And we'd spend six hours just in an, uh, and she'd be going over her shot list and just trying to, you know, um, cram, study all the stuff that I had to learn. Uh, that I didn't within the you know the six eight weeks I would have had in prep. So I just think that one gesture really just set it off for me, and 
there wasn't any really words. It's just a gesture that ex expressed a lot. Oh, that's so awesome. I'm, I'm going to ban uh, Canadian guests from talking about locks and cream cheese because I can't get them anywhere in Southern California. So <laughs> let me let me make note of that here. And we will credit you, of course. Um, oh, why'd you have to bring that up? Darn it. I'm getting ready for my bowl of granola and yogurt. Whoopee. Um, <laughs> I don't take that for granted. So. No, of course. No, of course. Yeah, no. Any food or water, any day of the week is, is gratitude. I, I want to just note that that sounds so much just like her because in the way that we've dealt with her over the years just here and there for shows and it's just that like you're saying it's not the it's not the words it's just the the very kind gesture of something so i love that story thank you for telling that as we wrap up mixtape and again everyone you can catch that on uh netflix it is streaming so no reason why you can say you didn't check it out and we're going to take a quick break for some advertising content this is advertising content Aloha, here talking pictures with Paul Booth. We want to thank you and let you know that all October episodes are brought to you by the party game Get Crude. Get Crude is get your crew together. You're the producer. You need an actor and a director. You draw cards. You got to make sure that there's not flash floods. Maybe your sets will be destroyed. Maybe you'll get seasick. Heck, there could even be a writer's strike. Man, do we know all the stuff that goes crazy in the film business. This game is for ages 13 and above. Best with three to eight players. For all you want to know about the game, getcrude.com go to g-e-t-c-r-e-w-d.com that's right paul you can buy the board game get crude at getcrude.com today now back to our podcast talking pictures with paul booth and that's what i call advertising content all right right before we were about to break was that something you were going to say peter yeah we were talking about uh, valerie and okay. and i might also add that matt who was her DOP and the DOP on the show, did a, a, just a fantastic job because not only was he volunteering his time as well, but we have to go, like, there's no sense me putting a schedule together or inheriting a schedule if it's not um, everybody endorses it. And at that point, Matt had some questions and we talked and, and you know, there was one scene with the fireworks and he really wanted the fireworks not to be a visual effect. He wanted it to be practical. And so at the end of the movie, some of those fireworks that you saw were not visual effects, they were practical. And, and that takes a lot of coordination. And, and he was pretty adamant that he, he wanted to, to, to um, make it real. And, uh, uh, but it's, oh, there's some scheduled situation there too. Like you have to, you have to get the permission from the t uh, city. Cur uh, there's curfew considerations. In that scene, we had a bunch of kids where the kids have to be gone by 10 o'clock during a school night. Well, of course, it doesn't get dark out in the summertime to about nine. So there's so many variables involved. And uh, uh, and I give him credit for sticking to his guns. And, and we managed to pull it off. And I think the movie kind of, uh, when they're looking at the end, looking at those fireworks, those are real fireworks going on. Oh, you know, <laughs> I was I love that you say that because when it went off, I just was like, what a visual effects job that was. <laughs> yeah, it was. So, that is awesome. It was real. That is so cool. And again, just so, you know, I'm I'm one of those, uh, I'm from Hawaii, and so everything is just spiritual. And I'm just like, I'm just so into that. If you all just put in the right attitude that something like scheduling fireworks with a camera pan will work. 
what I do is, is I have these last bit of questions. If you're up for a few more questions. Oh, please, Paul, you have me. Uh, uh, these are just to let us know a little bit more about your personality. They're all either or and uh, nothing incredibly important, but maybe some you'll think about later today. All right. First one. Um, Vancouver or Toronto? Uh, I've never shot in Toronto, so I'm going to say Vancouver. Okay. Uh, so it's it's the morning. You're going to get your exercise, run or walk? Um, well, I, I'm, I actually ride. I ride a stationary bike, and that's how the – that's the. Uh, in fact, this morning I did that. Um, running, uh, I've run two marathons in my life already and quite a few half marathons. But as I'm getting a little older, it's wearing on my knees a bit. And so uh, I turned to uh, uh, bicycling. As oh, okay. Yeah. Running a marathon. Okay, that sounds like the first day thing, maybe you can do this. I did it. Uh, <laughs> I, it was amazing. I was doing a movie with uh, Stanley Brooks, was the um, executive producer, uh, and uh, uh, Ted Danson was in it with his uh, wife, uh, Mary Steenburgen. And we're doing this miniseries. And I said, I, I didn't know it was a big deal. I said, I'm going to go run a marathon. And he looked at me, what? And so I came in the next, this was on a weekend, I came, uh, on the Friday, and after the weekend, the marathon, I came in and they looked at me and said, oh my God. And I could hardly walk up the stairs because nobody told me about chafing you know, inside. And so I'm like, oh my God, I didn't use anything. And so then I told Stanley my time and he was pissed off at me because he had run a marathon and he didn't break four hours. And I was three right. hours. 43 minutes so it was pretty funny uh, it was a funny that was my first uh, when i turned 40 i wanted to do something as uh when i turned 40 so i decided to run my first marathon so. oh okay that's great when i turned 40 i smoked a bunch of cigars so that shows where my <laughs> uh, i've just been i've just been stuck i my whole life i've either been thin or in shape anyways um so uh again this is probably one of the most cliche questions we will ask but uh if you could talk to a deceased musician celebrity poet president uh who, who would you talk to oh my god that's yeah let me think just a bit about that well i'd love to talk to my mother again because she's uh Oh, I, she, I know. I, maybe that's too sappy. No, that's no. My brother passed away last week. So that's such a great. Oh. I heard my condolences. I, I guess just to have an opportunity just to tell my mother again how much I loved her and hear her and see her smile. I guess that would be my uh, my my thing. And I'm fortunate. My father, he's 96 and tap on wood. He's still he's still here and very active in our lives. So um, I'd say my mother and then. Uh, just to put my mother right up there, I'd say number two would be Jesus, I guess. I don't oh. know. <laughs> See what ask him a few questions. Why the hell did he make mosquitoes? <laughs> See that this shows that you're Canadian in America, we'd be like, Bob Marley, Bob Marley. <laughs> that but thank you for that wonderful answer. That see I'm, uh, what insight. Uh the next one is you can have a conversation with any animal. So which animal would you talk to? Well, I don't have any pets, but obviously my first one would have been my dog that I had or my okay, dog. but they don't they're not here anymore. So I would say if there's an animal out there I'd want to talk to would be um for some reason I want to say a penguin. I don't know why. I'm a Pittsburgh Penguins fan, so I want to talk to the penguin. Yeah, they yes, have a lot of interesting stuff to say. That's very, that's interesting. Well, how can you go through life as I'm called a bird and you can't fly? Like, what's that about? <laughs> it's like, you know, I'm sure he has a few 
points there. Okay, now so, we're getting a little bit too philosophical, but that's okay. No, I'm just kidding. Okay. Well, who asked that question? Let's that's a, no, that's a great a penguin. Wow, I, I, that would have never done. I my my I would I, I always thought giraffe because I just wondered what's it like to have your head that tall. But um, no, only because I'm a Pittsburgh Penguins fan. I'm a huge Penguins. I'm a big sports guy. I'm a big Packers fan. So um, those are my heroes in life, not actors or something like that. I, anyone that, that can do something that with you know with the human body, like you know, actors sometimes they play a little variation of themselves. Right. Like I've worked with some great actors who you go, whoa, where did that come from? But it's this pro athletes which I'm really in awe of because they can they can exhibit things that uh, the normal like they just are able to maneuver their bodies and do things that we can only wish we could do so well i always thought one of the best athletes and he's so underrated because people just uh they associate wrestling as being fake or whatever but i always thought andre the giant for his size oh yeah some of the fake was just like wow um yeah so that was so when you said that what you could do with your body would just intrigue me i mean you have to be seven foot well, five before I did a movie. I did the. I did a movie a few years ago called the Main Event, and the Main Event was the first uh, co-production between uh, WWE and uh, Netflix, and it was huge, a big budget film. And I had to schedule around all these professional uh, wrestlers, and I tell you, um, that was a challenge. But we made. We got because they have. They have such a schedule. They have like Raw Monday and Thursday, and they're going all over the world and i had to somehow get them to come in to vancouver to shoot their sequences and when i met the wwe athletes it, it, there's there they there was no prima donnas there was they were just so yes sir no sir we'll be right over there you know one one wrestler had to wait three or four hours before we got to his sequence and he didn't complain he just said listen i'm just glad to be here and so they're great ambassadors not only to um, the sport, but also the WWE. I was, uh, I can't say, I can't say enough good things about that. Uh, of the guys that the wrestlers I worked with, anyways, they were so professional. Oh wow, yeah, I, I, you know, my brother's so into wrestling, and I hadn't, uh, I hadn't been keeping up as much. But uh, wow, Sheamus and the Miz and yeah, yeah, wow. all the legends, and they were so cool. They were pretty cool guys. And I'm not a wrestling fan. I don't know. I didn't know any of these guys before we even started. But uh, I do know of them now because uh, I think they set a very high standard uh, uh, for anybody on a set, let alone uh, uh, athletes. You know? oh. I would expect that same professionalism. Well, well, thank you for any department. I think, no, thank you for telling me about that. Um, I, I had no idea, so that's cool, and especially if it's shot in Vancouver. Uh, and the last question, drum roll, because this one is really uh, significant: pizza or barbecue? Oh, barbecue! Oh, barbecue! Okay. You know what I discovered the other day is a tomahawk pork chop. I don't know if you know what a tomahawk pork chop is, but it's like right the it's the pork right at the bone of the rib of the ham, right at the pig, and it was so so good. It almost I think it's better than beef for me now. I, I love tomahawk pork chops. Tomahawk pork chops. No, I've never heard of that. I haven't looked it up. Sorry, sorry for all the vegetarians listening to this. When you say barbecue, I don't automatically think barbecue asparagus. I think the barbecue. <laughs> oh, I know so lots of sockeye salmon oh yes the sam well yeah it's barbecue for sure so we wanted to say thank you so much for your time thank you again for giving me the opportunity to talk about not only what i do which is probably a mystery to a lot of people but also uh, 
the opportunity to work with Valerie and, and promote mixtape because uh, having watched it, I just sent a quick text or an email to both uh, the DOP and, and Val and uh, told them how proud I was to work on it. And, and I don't get a chance to watch a lot of my movies, uh, having done so many of them, but I did make an effort to watch mixtape and, and I would recommend it to uh, all your listeners and anyone who wants to just sit down and watch a few good movies. So. Cool. Well, thank you for sharing that. Yeah, I love it too. We, we really appreciate it. Hopefully we can maybe talk to you about something in the future. Yeah, well, listen, maybe we can do this live and I can sit down and we can have some of that barbecue uh, through the <laughs> That would be, no, no, no. We're going to have lox and salmon, so cool. You, <laughs> oh, I got to bring the salmon. I thought you were, Okay, I, okay, Paul. I'll bring the salmon. All right, you take care and you have a great day. Yes, you too. All the best, Paul. And uh, listen, have a Merry Christmas to you and your listeners, okay? Okay, thank you. You too. Aloha. Aloha. All right, well, that was a great talk with uh, Peter Dash. Um, that's what he goes by. And we thank him again and thank you guys again. Check out Mixtape on Netflix. Kudos to Valerie Weiss. She's one of my favorite filmmakers, so I was so happy we could do this. Well, that's going to do it for us here at Talking Pictures. You know my motto, whether it's morning, afternoon, or evening, make sure and watch a good movie. Aloha. Thank you for listening to the Talking Pictures Podcast. Real conversation and movie-induced inspiration. <laughs>